Amen. Well, again, it's just good to, to worship and lift up our voices to God together. There's such a, a comfort in that because of who it is that we worship. Uh, I just want to start out before I jump into the sermon, um, which, by the way, I really do sense uh, the Lord leading today. Um, I'm going to share today about what Jesus' vision for this church is. As I was getting ready, I was thinking about just the vision God has put in my heart for us as a church, as a community. And as I was studying the scriptures that go along with this sermon, I was like, man, it's actually Jesus' vision for us. It's not mine. It's not, it doesn't belong to, to me. It's actually him. He, and we're going to look specifically uh, at a couple different places in scripture, but we're going to zero in on Jesus' prayer for the church, which I'm really excited about. But I just want to start out saying I really appreciate a, a lot of people I know have been praying for my family. Uh, so my wife, Vicki, she's back in New Brunswick. So the reason I wasn't here last week, uh, my wife's sister is quite sick uh, with cancer, and it's been sort of a long battle. And so my wife and I drove to New Brunswick with our two youngest kids last week. And so I left Vicki there with the van and the two youngest kids because she's just really uh, wanting to help her sister right now. And since getting there, um, things have become a little bit more challenging. Her sister's in the hospital now. She's been home for the last couple years, but she's actually, she's in the hospital now, and she's just um, kind of at a low point. Uh, but the family is really believing for a miracle, and a lot of people have told me they're praying. Um, I bumped into somebody that I hadn't seen for a year yesterday out on the bike trail. We went bike, I took a couple of the kids biking for the first time, and uh, I saw somebody that I hadn't seen for like a year, and she's like, hey, we're praying for your wife's sister. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. Um, I may end up going back uh, to New Brunswick earlier than I thought. I might end up going there this week. I'm not sure for how long, but uh, Vicky just needs help helping the kids, and uh, it's just been really tough for the family. So anyway, just that's a little bit of an update, and uh, just thank you for your prayers. And if you sense, I was talking to my mom the other day just on FaceTime, and she's like, you just seem sad. And I was like, well, I, I probably am. There's just a lot going on. And so um, if you're if you're thinking of uh, us just be praying, and just even this morning, if you can be praying for me as I share this, because I really do, uh, I sense that God has some really significant things he wants to communicate to us as a, as a community and as a church, and uh, my desire in communicating this is that I wouldn't, uh, as the one communicating it, get in the way in any way. I just really want the Lord, uh, his message to come through, so just, uh, yeah, if you can be praying for that, and I'm going to pray before we jump in, and before I pray, I'll just let you know, I, I usually, and I'm, I'm excited about, amid kind of the, the challenging time, um, I'm excited about this message uh, because I think it's, as I've like trying to figure out who I am in ministry and what I believe God's called me to, this, this message I think is, is one of the most significant messages that I feel God has placed on my heart as a follower of him in the days that we live in. Um, we're starting a new series today called Being a Diverse Church, and so we're going to, um, and we may pause the series if I do end up back in New Brunswick for a couple weeks, but um, basically in this series, we're going to look at four different categories of diversity, and we're going to talk about uh, how, what God's vision for his church is and what it means to be a diverse church. And so I like, usually when I preach, I like focusing on one passage of scripture and just really unpacking that. Um, I'm going to focus in specifically today on one passage, but there's a couple other I'm going to reference because this, this message in particular, I want you to know, 
from the beginning of the Bible to the very end, this is a theme that you'll find all the way through Scripture. God's desire for his family is that it would, his family would be made up of a very diverse group of people. Strangers, the Bible calls us aliens. Uh, okay, aliens is just a foreign people, right? So God, God's family is made up of a very diverse group of people, uh, his church. And we're going to look at that today. So I'm just going to pray that the Lord will speak because um, I think it's something that's really applicable to all of us in the days that we, we live in. And, and as we try to figure out what does it mean to be the church today in 21st century in Thunder Bay in Canada. Let's pray. Lord, um, Lord, you see, you see our hearts. You see uh, all of the different situations that are in this room and tuning in online this morning. Lord, um, there's been some prayer already for, for situations where people may feel unworthy of you or broken. Um, Lord, earlier this morning in the prayer time, Elizabeth was praying for, for healing for people that are experiencing sickness. And Lord, there's in this room today, there's, there's people that are experiencing that. Lord, I shared some of that from my personal uh, story, but also I know that there's uh, people here that are experiencing some things in their life with family members and loved ones that maybe are sick or, or whatever the case may be, that Lord, we're just looking to you and we want to hear from you. Lord, we know you are the living God. You're alive today. We're not talking about something that just happened a couple thousand years ago. You're alive now. You're present with us here and now. And so, Lord, we just want to continue to welcome you. We love you. We worship you, God. And I just pray, even if there's anybody here that is unsure what they believe about you, Lord, I just pray they would really sense your peace, your love, your joy, your mercy, your compassion. And uh, God, that you would be lifted high in all that is said and done today. We love you. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12 in, in a minute, but I just want to set this up. So uh, this series, it's called Being a Diverse Church. And before I moved to Thunder Bay, uh, I had to spend, six, it was six or seven weeks away from Vicky and the kids because I had to do an internship somewhere uh, as, a, as uh, something to finish up my schooling. So at, in the Bible school I went to, you had to do an internship. And so uh, I was in Detroit for like six or seven weeks. And I was at a church in Detroit called Mosaic. Okay, so Mosaic is, if you think about what a mosaic is, it's a, it, it can be a really beautiful piece of art that's made up of all kinds of different colors, textures, materials, and all of it comes together to make a really beautiful piece of art. It's a mosaic. And this church in Detroit was called Mosaic and uh, the church was downtown in a really rough part of Detroit uh, where it was a really diverse group of people. So the, the racial split in Detroit when I was there was about 60-40 so, uh, for, for white and black. And there's a lot of uh, horrible history of racism in Detroit. And so this church, their vision was to really just communicate the love of Jesus and to have a diverse group of people that gathered. So the, the church was called Mosaic, and the pastor, his name was uh, Pastor Mick, really, really influential guy, real passion for Jesus. Uh, Caleb knows him. Caleb, Caleb would probably affirm that. He's a, he's a pretty passionate guy. He spoke at our Bible school we went to a few times. Um, he had a real vision for diversity, so much so that um, he said, Nathan, I want to make sure, like, when you're here for these six weeks, I don't want you and I both preaching on the same Sunday because we're two white guys. And he said, it's a super diverse church. And he said, our state, he's like, even our stage, I want it to represent diversity. So this church was so intentional about diversity 
that they didn't even want it to look like it was one cultural group just on the stage. It was the first time I'd ever experienced that much intentionality about being diverse. And the worship, it was cool. I, uh, while I was there, I had an opportunity to go to Sri Lanka on a mission trip with some of the, the people from the church. And I was given the job of like making the video. Um, Megan will probably cringe hearing this. Like I was like the media guy, okay, <laughs> on this trip, which is like, I'm not the media guy here, okay? There's people that are actually good at that. And uh, anyway, so I had to like make a video. And so when I got back, I was making the video and I was putting all the footage together and I put a song in there by a band called Ren Collective. I don't know if you guys have heard the name Ren Collective, um, but they're a pretty popular band. They're great. And, uh, but this guy comes back and he was like, what do you got this white girl music on here for? <laughs> and I was like, white girl music? What are you talking about? And he's like, man, this is white girl music. And I looked around and, and the church was like very diverse, even in their music, right? And so there was a, a real... Um, presence of uh, like black and white and the mix, and in their worship, you could see that. So when you get together on Sunday to worship, their, their band sounded like a really diverse group of people, and it was colorful, and it was beautiful and amazing, and so he called my music white girl music, which I was like, oh, that's, that's fair. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But the, in, the intentional um, decision by the leadership to be diverse really stuck with me. I was like, man, this is, this is a picture of God's desire for his church. And so I want to just, I want to challenge you this morning as we look into the scriptures to just broaden your view a little bit of what it looks like to be the church. So the way that we gather and worship here in Thunder Bay, in this little section of the world, it looks very different from gatherings in other places of the world. When I was in Sri Lanka, things looked a little bit different in the service, okay? Um, I remember one time on another mission trip I was on, I was in Haiti, and I went to a a church service in Haiti where the whole service was done in Creole, which is the main language that's used in Haiti. I didn't understand a word of it, but it was just as much church as we experience here. I I, I was able to witness the joy and the exuberance and the fellowship and all of those things, but their service looked a lot different than the way that we gather here, but that's the church of Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you, as we're looking at a couple of these scriptures, I want you to just broaden your view a little bit and ask the question, like, what is Jesus' vision for the church? Most people like to interact with people that are like them. We like being around people that have the same political views as we do, um, that dress similar to how we do, that have some of the same convictions, the same foods uh, that, that we do. But if we're going to be a part of the church of Jesus, it's going to mean we interact with people that are very different than us. Most of you know I've become really good friends with Brian, and Brian regularly challenges what I eat. So if we're going to have lunch together, Brian brings stuff that I'd never had before, and it usually cleans me out really good, okay? <laughs> but I've, like, grown to love it. And, like, in, that's a, a silly example, but, like, if you meet somebody else who loves Jesus, you may be different in lots of different areas, but what unites us is this love that we have for Jesus. And God's desire for his church is that it would be diverse, very diverse. And so uh, I realized in preparing for this uh, that I was like, I wanted to communicate what I felt God had put in my heart for the church as far as being diverse. Like my, my desire for TC is that increasingly, we would become more diverse um, as a a church and and, in what that looks like to worship. 
And as I was getting ready for this, I was like convicted by this thought, this realization that it's not my vision for the church to be diverse. It's actually the vision of Jesus, and we're going to see that. And another thing I want, to, I want to point out, and just as you're thinking about this, if you have any experience at all with other religions, and this was actually something else that um, was prayed for this morning. I think it was Patty was praying uh, this morning uh, about other religions. Uh, other world religions are very tied to specific cultures, languages, ways of dress, those kinds of things. Christianity if you have, an, experience, if you have a, an opportunity to travel and experience Christianity in different places of the world, you'll see that Christianity is not tied at all to one culture. Some churches, Christians, operate as if that is the case, almost like their culture is the right culture, their dress, their music, whatever. But that is not the case. With Christianity, the, the, the gathered people who follow Jesus as Lord is very diverse in the different cultures and music and dress and food and all of those different things that come together. And so Christianity is unique in that way where uh, Christianity has a way of like fitting into all of the different cultures of the world, but at the same time transcending all of those different cultures. If you're a follower of Jesus, then your, your cultural background will be offended at some point. Do you know that? Like, if you're really following, if Jesus is your Lord, there's something that, you know, if you've grown up in a certain culture, no matter what it is, there, there will be something that you'll be challenged because, because the church of Jesus, what Jesus' desire is, is to set up this, this gathering of people that is the church that lives according to his word, and, it, and it's, it transcends culture. So it can fit into any culture, but it's also separate from and different from, uh, from cultures. And so I'm going to, uh, I want to read from Genesis quick, just a few verses there, and then Revelation, and then zero in on, on John's prayer, just to, to show, just to give a little bit of a, uh, a picture of the fact that God's desire for this diverse church is something you find throughout all of Scripture. So in Genesis chapter 12, and this will be up on the screen, I think, we're good, okay. Um, so if you're familiar at all with the, with the Scriptures, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture where God is talking to Abraham. And so Abraham is a really important person in the story of Scripture, okay? He's, he's known as the father of faith. If you were a part of church growing up, you might have sang a song called Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. Anybody know that song? No? I'm, I'm not going to keep singing, so. <laughs> so, very important, okay? So, Abraham was an important uh, person in the story of the church because he's the, he's the father of the faith. He's the first person that God said... I'm going to create a new people, okay? And here's what God says. This is the founding of the church. This was God's desire for Israel before Israel was established. The Lord had said to Abram, before he changed his name, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Now catch this last <clears throat> line here. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So when God established Israel, this is long before Israel ever came into existence, but this is God's prophetic word to, Ab to Abraham. He was saying, like, I'm going to make you into a great nation. 
And he says to Abraham, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That was his desire. And then the story gets pretty sad. If you, if you go on from Genesis chapter 12 and you start to read through the story of the Old Testament, you read about Israel and how Israel was founded, they actually became very self-focused. Israel, for the most part, was not actually a blessing to all the nations of the world. Israel became quite self-focused. You know, and, and God said to Abraham here, I'll, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you, which was true, but Israel actually experienced the curse because they didn't obey God in his call for them to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. They became very self-focused. They, they turned away from following God. And so the story from that point on gets set. So what I want you to see is at the very beginning, when God was first setting up the nation of Israel, his desire was that they would be a blessing to all of the nations of the world. And there's pictures of that. This is just a, a little piece of history, if anybody likes history at all. Uh, but you remember in the story of Israel, King Solomon? King Solomon was the most successful king that Israel ever seen. He was the son of David. Uh, and he had kings from all over the world that would come and visit him to learn from his wisdom and learn from his knowledge. One of, the, uh, one of the really famous rulers that visited Solomon was the Queen of Sheba, okay? And so historians say the Queen of Sheba was from Ethiopia in Africa. And there's actually, it's really fascinating. When you study the history of Christianity, Christianity enters Africa in like 600 AD. And when, when they get there, there's already traces of the scriptures of Jewish belief. Because this Queen of Sheba who had visited Solomon, there's a, a legend that she actually was impregnated by Solomon and that carried some of the Jewish religion back to Ethiopia. And so when Christianity enters Africa, like at 600 AD, they find traces of like Jewish thought. And there were people that were ready to believe the gospel because they had that in their history. And so there's traces. So God's desire is that all the nations of the world will be blessed. And for the most part, Israel did not fulfill God's desire. There was traces of it. You know, there's examples of, you know, things that happened in Ethiopia and, and where the, the message was spread. But for the most part, Israel became really self-focused. And then in Revelation chapter 7, this will be on the screen, but if you want to turn there, if you have a, a physical Bible, you can, you can turn there. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. And... And so we started in Genesis, okay, so that was God's desire at the beginning, was, was for his church, for his people to be a blessing to all nations. And then at the very end, uh, John, in the book of Revelation, he has this like prophetic vision. God is showing him things that will come, okay? And so this is a vision from, the, John was one of the apostles that followed Jesus around. He was the last surviving apostle when he wrote the book of Revelation, and God shows this guy an incredible, like, panoramic vision. The whole book of Revelation is this massive vision that John sees. And I'm going to snapshot this picture here because God gives John a picture of what his church will be. It's super exciting. So verses 9 to 11, he says, After this, and so he's describing what he sees in this vision. He says, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe, and people, and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne 
and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. I don't know if this one's on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 12. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to God forever and ever. And so in verse 9, what John is seeing, he says, he sees this vast crowd. He says, it's too, it's too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne. Like what God is showing John, he's saying, my church, the people who follow me, they're made up from all of the nations and tribes and peoples of the whole world. Like that is the desire of God, is that his church would be made up of all of the, of the peoples of the world. God actually loves different cultures, different languages, different ethnicities, different classes of people. He loves it. We, uh, in our selfish kind of way of going about things, we tend to be focused on people that are like us in a lot of ways. And that's caused a lot of division in the church. It's caused a lot of, a lot of hurt. There's been uh, abuse and all kinds of different things that have come from that. But when we look into the scriptures, the desire that Jesus has, and when we're going to get to his prayer in John 17, the desire that he has for the church is that it would be united, that we'd be as united as God is with himself, even though we're diverse. And so I just want you to think about Thunder Bay. So in our city, uh, if you're Italian, you might go to some of the events at the Italian Cultural Center. So if you live in Thunder Bay and you're from Italy, you might find a group of people that do some things that are kind of Italian in their way of doing things, in, in the food, the dress, the culture. If you're from India, uh, maybe you'll go to the Festival of Colors that happens in the summer. If you're uh, First Nations, maybe you'll go to a powwow that happens up on Mount McKay or you'll take a part of some uh, event, right? Like if there's like... If we're a part of a certain group of people, a cultural group, sometimes we're drawn to go and be a part of those kinds of, of events or things, right? And, and experience the different cultures, the, you know, and we, we, we have a familiarity with that. But what God is talking about here is, and he's not saying that different cultures are bad or, or, or you know, ways of dressing or, you know, ways of doing things or ways of celebrating, but the church is made up of all of those different cultures. And when we gather, it's like a taste of heaven on earth. So similar to if you're part of a different cultural group, maybe you go to some cultural event and you feel like that's a taste of, uh, you know, India in Thunder Bay. But the church, God's vision for the church, and I really want you to catch this, his vision for the church is that when we gather as his followers, as the followers of Jesus, that it's actually a taste of heaven. Like when, when the followers of Jesus gather together, it's a little taste of what God's going to establish in the heavenly kingdom to come. So if that's the case, which the scriptures say that it is, there is work for us to do as his church now to be able to embrace that kind of diversity. Like God's desire is that when we gather, it's a taste of the heavenly kingdom, which is... And there's so much that, that can be said about that. But the church um, is a place that's made up of people from all kinds of different backgrounds and, and there's all kinds of diversity. And we're able to come with the reality of who we are and experience acceptance and love from each other and then this mutual worship of the creator of the universe. 
And so when I think back to my experience in Detroit, they were intentional, even about what it looked like on their stage as far as cultural representation and all those things. And, and I know that's, that's the desire God has for us, even as a church in Thunder Bay, is that we're intentional about the various cultures and differences that we have. And there's challenges that go along with that. And I just want to, this will be up on the screen. In this series, this is what I want to look at. I want to just draw our attention to four different areas of diversity, okay? And this is, this is what I want to cover. And I want you to see this, and then we're going to look at Jesus' prayer, because I'm convinced if we're going to experience the kind of diversity that Jesus prays for with unity, it's going to take a work of the Holy Spirit. And so the four categories of diversity we're going to look at is generational diversity, so young and old, and, and you just think about it. As we're looking through this list, um, isn't there lots of division amongst the generations? Like we talk about the boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Z. Where's the Gen Z in the house? Gen Z. Esther was telling me last night, Gen Z is like the best generation ever. <laughs> um, but isn't there lots of division amongst generations? Well, God's desire is that we together would be, would be one even though we've got all these different generational differences. Ethnic diversity. So I didn't put all of the colors up. I put black and white and everything in between, okay? So if you think about ethnic diversity, all of the different ethnicities, races that are in the world, um, we're going to talk about that diversity, and then what does it look like for us to be united as one, right? And just think about it. Like, have you seen division over these kinds of differences, just, just in our city, not even just in the world, but have, haven't we seen the division that can come? Socioeconomic, that's a big word, diversity, so rich and poor, right? Like, isn't there a division? Like, if you're, if you're poor, um, isn't it easier to be around other people that are poor and you kind of disdain those that are rich and you're like, oh, must be nice, must be nice to go to Hawaii, <laughs> right? Like, must be nice not to have to work for a living or whatever it is, right? Or if you're rich, isn't it hard sometimes to be around the poor, because you feel, maybe you feel guilty, and you're like, well, maybe I should be giving more, or you feel bad. So you just tend to be around people that are more like you. Isn't it a temptation to, to be divided over our socioeconomic class, right, the rich and poor? And then ideological diversity, right, wrong, and the blurry middle. Like, how do you gather and be united, okay, and these are the four categories we're going to look at, with people that are just vastly different? We've talked about this a lot in the last couple of years. Like, the Bible doesn't tell us whether or not to get a vaccine or to wear a mask, okay? <laughs> it doesn't. And I have gathered with groups of people that are pretty strong on either side of those debates. I believe it just grieves the heart of God when we're divided over those kinds of issues. Some people have really strong convictions on those kinds of issues, and they feel like every other Christian should have the same conviction. You know what makes me nervous, and I've said this before, and it bears repeating, but if I like get together with a group of Christians where everybody has the exact same conviction on everything, I'm like, I don't really think this is the church. I don't. When you look at the scriptures, like even in the scriptures, and there's lots of cases in the New Testament of the, even the apostles disagreeing with each other and going different ways over, over different issues. Like it's okay to have differences of, of view and conviction on certain things. But in this topic, in this last one, one of the things that I want to make sure we cover is there, there is a truth who unites us, and he has a name. His name is Jesus. So in talking about all of the diversity, 
there, is a, there are reasons at times to be divided. Like Jesus specifically teaches that those that follow him, there will be separations. You know, if you commit your life to following Jesus, that will cause divisions from people, you know, and, and people will, will depart from you. But it should only come over our commitment, our desire to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So within the church, there's, that's a, a tricky one, the ideological diversity, right, wrong, in the blurry middle. But, but the church, as far as God is concerned, Jesus' desire is that we would be a diverse group of people. And what, is that, what does that look like? And I'm, I'm convinced more than ever that if we're going to experience that kind of unity uh, amid the diversity, it's going to happen because of prayer. And I'm grateful that Jesus actually specifically prayed for this. And so I'm going to go to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. And I'm going to, I don't have, uh, I'll, like this is, this is really to set up this series. And so I don't have a lot more to get into, I really want to zero in on this prayer today because Jesus actually prays that this will happen. And when I look around at our world, you think about the, the division we see in our world over all of these differences, you know, that, that we've highlighted here. God's desire is that his church, so just even zero in on Transformation Church, that when people come and gather with us as believers, that they're like, wow, this is a taste of heaven. Like these people, there's no other reason on earth that they'd be as connected as they are. Look, they're rich and poor. They're, they're black and white. They're, they're so diverse. They've got all different cultures. But look at, the, look, at the, look at the love they have for each other. Must be Jesus. Like that's the desire God has for us as a church. And I believe that we've got work to do as a church and as a community to, to embrace that diversity while surrendering to Jesus as Lord. And so um, it's not something that can happen in our own strength. So this prayer, and you've heard me say this before, um, in John 17, I, I believe this is probably the most important prayer in Scripture. Jesus prays this right before he's arrested. Okay, And in John 17, there's three sections of the prayer. Jesus begins by praying for himself. And then in the middle part of this prayer, he prays for his disciples, the people that have been following for three years, and then I'm going to read this to you. And this, this has been probably some of the most encouraging passages of Scripture for me in my life. In verses 20 through 26, Jesus specifically prays for every single person that will one day believe in him as a result of the teaching of his apostles. That's us today. So he's literally praying for you and I right now in Thunder Bay, 21st century, 2022. And so that's the section of the prayer I'm going to read is where he's praying for, for us today, and he's praying for unity amid diversity. So starting in verse 20, and this will be up on the screen, Jesus says this. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. This, I'm going to read the rest of the prayer, but this blows my mind, that Jesus, he prays, okay, he's not just praying for the disciples that were alive at, at the time that he prayed this. He prayed for anybody who will ever believe, that's you and I today, 
he says, God, he's talking to God. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, talking to the Father. He says, and I pray that they would be as united with each other as we are with each other. Like, have you ever experienced that? Like, Jesus is praying that the church, that his gathered group of people that follow him would experience the same unity that God experiences within the Godhead, within the Trinity. Like, that is, that's amazing. I've seen a lot more examples of that not happening. I've seen church splits over crazy things. Jeremy, who preached last week, he was, he was talking to one of his professors, and uh, his professor was telling him, he said, you know, I saw a, a church split once over paper cups. <laughs> He was serious. He said they had made a decision as a leadership team that they're, they're not going to do styrofoam cups anymore. They're going to do paper cups. And he said that next week there were three or four significant families that just left the church, right? I'm like, wow, if we can't get unity over paper cups, like what about ethnic diversity and ideological diversity? Like, wow, right? But Jesus, he's praying that we'll experience the same kind of unity that he experiences within himself. Verse 22 and this has been uh, a really profound verse for me. He says, he's talking to God. He says, I have given them, that's you and I, the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So God, he says to God, I've given them, all the people that will believe, the glory that you gave me so that they'll experience unity. He knows that it takes the glory of God to unite uh, a diverse group of people. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory that you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know that you sent me. I've revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. And so I was getting ready for this, and I was just thinking about, I, like, I just, since we've started TC, I've just had this des desire that um, we would be a diverse church, that we'd be made up of people from different backgrounds, uh, different preferences, different all kinds of things. And I was getting ready for this, and I was like, just felt like the Lord was saying, Nathan, that's actually my desire. Like, it, it goes way beyond what I desire as the pastor. Jesus' desire for you and I is that we would be united with each other with as much unity as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit experience. Anybody have kids? Like, <laughs> do you see that? I have kids, uh, right? Like, that, that kind of unity is something that every parent desires, um, but if you've ever had kids in the home, like, we don't experience that kind of unity in our homes very often, right? When we're sleeping, I find we're so united. Everybody is just peaceful, it's chill, you know, and, and like Vicky and I with the two little ones, Randall and Henry, one's three, one's two, it could be the worst day ever. And then I go down at 11 o'clock when I'm ready to go to bed, and the way they're sleeping, I'm like, oh, angels, right? Like, just, just angels, right? I think, I think God gave us sleep for that reason. Um, but his desire is that while we're awake, we would experience that kind of unity. His vision for us is that TC would be a group of people that's rich and poor, young and old, black and white and all the colors of the world, and people with various different convictions, that we would be united. Now, I just want to give you this, this thought. Um, I was, this, this 
passage of scripture has been one of the most impactful for me over the last eight years or so. And just this week, as I was getting ready to, to preach it again, I've always wondered, and, and I really want you to catch this, if you're ready to zone out, just zone back in for a second, okay? I've always wondered at verse 22, what does Jesus mean by glory? Okay, so, so he says to the Father, he's, he's talking to God, and he's talking about all of us that will one day follow him, okay? He says, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they will be one as we are one. I'm, like, I'm trying to, I've always tried to figure that out. Like, what does he mean by glory? He gave us his glory. Like, what's glory? You know, in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, uh, it's, it's the word kabod, which is this weight, this heaviness. In the New Testament, glory, the Greek is, is doxa, right? And there's, there's different ways of explaining it. I've also noticed in John 17 that there's no mention of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're going to catch this. So... In this chapter, Jesus, when he prays for unity, he says to God, he says, and I pray that they, you and I, would experience the same unity that I experienced with you, Father. And whenever Jesus said that, I thought, what about the Holy Spirit? And I was studying this week, and uh, one of the commentators, he, in, in the commentary on the scripture, he wondered out loud, he said, he's like, I wonder, and, and he, he believes that it is the case, if Jesus, when he talks about glory here, he means the Holy Spirit. So in verse 22, Jesus says to the Father, he says, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they might be one. You know, I've thought a lot about these verses. I've prayed about these verses a lot. I'm convinced it takes the Holy Spirit to unite people that are diverse and different. And I, and I believe what Jesus is communicating here is he's saying, like, I've given them the glory you gave me. I've given them the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. If you read John, the promise Jesus gives to his disciples, he says, it's actually better for you that I would leave because when I do, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And when people experience unity, people that are very different, that are very diverse, when they experience unity, when they come together, what they're drawn together by is the Holy Spirit. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, the scriptures say when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we, when we give ourselves to him, he, he puts his spirit inside of us, right? And so that is the case for you. And then if you meet somebody who's, who comes from a different cultural background than you, maybe they had a very different upbringing, they had different convictions on some things, but they've surrendered their life to Jesus, they too have the Holy Spirit. How can we not be united? How can we not be absolutely connected when we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. Jesus is saying, I could, the reason I've given them the Holy Spirit is so that they would be one, so that they would be connected, so that they would be diverse but unified. What, a, what an incredible prayer that Jesus prays. And, and my prayer for us, and this is how I want to close today, I want to pray, I'm going to read this prayer um, as a prayer. And, and, and my prayer, when I think about Transformation Church, when I think about this series, we're going to talk about some significant areas of diversity and what does it look like to, to be a diverse church. And, and, and Jesus says in this prayer, and I don't have time to get into it today, but he says that our unity is proof to the world that God exists. You know that? Like, he is so excited about us being united. He says, like, the unity that he's praying for, the unity that we'll experience with each other, that's the same as the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit share, that unity, when, when you and I are united that way, it's proof to the world of the existence and the reality 
of God. When, when, people, when two people who are extremely diverse can come together and are united, it's proof to the world the reality of God. I shared this once before, but I'll, I'll, I want to share this story and then I'm going to pray this prayer and then invite the team up. But a couple years ago, uh, the newspaper in Moncton did a, a story about my dad and the warden who was the warden while my dad was in prison. And so my dad, as most of you know, was in prison for a number of years. Uh, fast forward 20 years later, this warden actually started supporting the ministry my dad started. And the newspaper in Moncton did this, fr- this like, uh, full-size uh, article with my dad and his former warden standing arm in arm. <laughs> and this warden, who was like, you know, in charge of making sure my dad stayed in his cell, because um, he had tried to escape at times, um, was now supporting the ministry that he started. And it was just like, it rocked me. I'm looking at that, and I'm like, that's what Jesus is talking about. Like, the kind of unity he's talking about is when wardens and inmates can have the same kind of unity that the Father has with the Holy Spirit. When, when First Nations people and people from India and people from Ukraine and Poland and whatever descent can come together and have the same kind of unity that God experiences. When, when like, a really poor person can be really, really good friends with somebody who's really rich and there's no division, there's just love. What a testimony to the world. Like, that is a taste of heaven. Because when we get to heaven, there will be no divisions. We're not going to experience the kinds of divisions that we have set up here on planet Earth. Those will be gone. And God's desire is that we wouldn't wait until the establishment of the heavenly kingdom, that we'd experience that now. But we, we can't just decide. A sermon like this, we can't get to the end of a sermon like this and be like, okay, we're going to be united right? We'll, we'll just, we'll do it. We'll make sure we're united and like, we're going to disagree. We're going to have challenges. That's why Jesus prayed the way that he did. And so I'm just going to, let's just, if, uh, if you are willing, let's just close our eyes and I'm just going to read this prayer again. And I want you to uh, remember that this is the prayer Jesus prayed for us, not just for the ones that were around at the time, um, but for all that would believe. And the worship team, if you, if you want to come up, we're going we're gonna to close with a song after this, but let's just pray uh, along with Jesus. So Jesus says, and Lord, as we read this, as we read your words, Jesus, we want to agree, and for all that, that do, I just want to encourage you at the end of this to say amen. We want to agree, Jesus, with your prayer that Transformation Church would experience unity amid diversity like you pray for. Here's the prayer. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory that you gave me because you love me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know that you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. And, we all, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. And Lord, we do. We, 
we, we pray in line with the words of Jesus that we would experience that kind of unity. Lord, would you do that here at, at Transformation Church, Lord? We desire to experience the kind of unity you prayed for. Lord, we realize that the church falls short of what your desire is. And Jesus, this is your desire for our church, that we would experience that kind of unity with each other. And so, Lord, we, we do agree with that prayer, and we pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, you'd help us to make wise, discerning uh, decisions, and that you'd help us to embrace each other. And I pray, Lord, that as we gather to worship you, that people that come and, and join in the gathering, that they go, wow, this is a taste of heaven. Jesus, you prayed that our unity would actually be proof to the world that you are God and that you sent Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that would be the case in Thunder Bay. Lord, there's so many people in Thunder Bay that need to encounter you, Jesus. There's a lot of, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of wickedness and rebellion. But Lord, you actually have called us to be your church, to, to be a taste of what heaven is like. Lord, to, to be a place where heaven and earth meet. And so, Lord, we just pray that, that we would be able to unite with each other the way you prayed for, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give us the the ability to live out what you've uh, prayed for in this powerful prayer. And I pray that we would be a testimony to this, this city, Lord. And, and for other churches, we want to unite with all those that love you. This isn't just for Transformation Church. It's not just for those that are part of the denomination we're a part of, Lord. There's, there's all kinds of denominations in this city that love you. And we pray for this kind of unity in our city, God, that you would unite uh, those that love you, that call on your name, and that we'd experience your unity, your peace, and that, Lord, we'd be a, an example to this city and this world of the grace and the goodness, the love and the purity of God. In Jesus' name.